Do you remember high school? Do you remember dating in high school? Are you cringing? It's probably the most awkward time of our lives to find romance, and it's not helped by hormones and the cutthroat social hierarchy. And it's really not helped if your secret love letters are made unsecret. This very thing happens to Laura Jean Covey in the Netflix original rom-com To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Laura Jean is, well, your average high schooler. She wears Doc Martens, she has a best friend, and oh, she has a box full of love letters to her top five crushes. You could say she was tempting fate to not only write the letters, but seal them in addressed envelopes. Cruel fate has its ways. The letters are sent. Confusion reigns. Mortified, Laura Jean now must confront the fact that her sister's ex-boyfriend and Laura Jean's former best friend, Josh, is one of the recipients of the love letter. Laura Jean needs to disavow the letter, even though her feelings for Josh remain the same. Fortunately, another letter recipient, Peter, has a tantalizing offer be his fake girlfriend to make his ex-girlfriend jealous so that he can win her back. The offer intrigues Laura Jean. With a fake boyfriend, she can put up a good enough front to show Josh that she's no longer interested and word won't get back to her sister. But of course, as fake romances usually go, real feelings get in the way. Is your head spinning? It's okay if it is. Some of the best rom-com plots are full of complications, and it's almost necessary for a teen comedy given the labyrinth that is a teenager's emotions. But if you look at the genre's best teen movies, a complicated plot does not make a movie good. Mean Girls, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, some of the best teen films take a simpler approach in its plotting. But doesn't matter. To All the Boys I've Loved Before does have its charms, and with a third film on the way, Netflix knows they've got an enduring franchise with Laura Jean Covey. First things first, we need to have a contract so we're on the same page about the rules. Guy rules? Come on, you really know how to zap the fun out of a situation. Well, it's important to know where you stand on certain issues. <laughs> yeah, like what? Well, for example, I don't want you to kiss me anymore. Are you crazy? Who's gonna believe that we're in a relationship if I'm not allowed to kiss you? Well, you know, you might be the James Dean of this kind of stuff, but I've never had a boyfriend before. You have the references of an 80-year-old woman. And what does that matter? It matters because I don't want all my firsts to be fake. If I'm going to be making out with someone, I'm going to do it for real. Okay, but you kissed me first. This is non-negotiable. Fine. Here you are with Ryan and Kelly once again, doing our first Netflix original film. Woo! Go Netflix! Go Netflix! We love, we love our, uh, I guess they're not quite corporate overlords yet. We, we love our too. sisters and brothers over at Netflix, uh, who will one day buy our movies. Right? Yes! We need this recorded, just so... Yes! We love you! <laughs> so if we say we anything bad, so we can much. just uh, <laughs> edit this over. I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a, a quick clarification up front for this film, okay? Yeah. Um what I like about this movie, and let me let me start this off as it was made in Portland, which is where we both live. Uh I know a couple people who worked on it. Um it is a really good movie for the reasons that uh, I'm about to list. It is uh pretty diverse. Um, both in terms of its uh, crew and cast. It is, you know, making a... It is making a rom-com film 
these days, which is kind of harder to do. And it takes a lot of hard work to make a movie. I'm going to put that up front before anything and just say, good job, everybody, for making a movie. I know how hard it is. Ryan and I both do. We've we've worked on movies before and we've we've, you know, made good projects and not so good projects um, with our own two hands. So I'm, I'm just going to say that up front. OK, I feel like you made that disclaimer because you might be saying things that would need a disclaimer before you said the things is that correct? <laughs> i think you needed a disclaimer before you said whatever it was you just said um and disclaimer to your disclaimer was the whole film shot in portland or just exteriors uh i i really don't know um, okay i think i think this was a vancouver film masquerading as a portland film oh you think so well uh first of all that is not pdx no definitely not i was like i don't know where that is but that's not pdx um okay well uh, with all your disclaimer aside did you enjoy this movie did you have a good time experiencing this film you did not okay that's why you had the disclaimer you didn't have a good time i had a poor time watching this film Um, you texted me today and you're like i finished the movie and i'm like okay it's like I was. I don't know what to do with this, so I'm just gonna let him stew for a while, and then we'll record and then see I, um, know, how it goes. I, uh, um, I really wanted to. I didn't really want to. I just. Um, I was expecting a, a pretty standard film, you know, something that um, was entertaining. I really, really like uh, teen films. Um, some of my favorite ones are Mean Girls, Ten Things I Hate About You, Edge of Seventeen, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Superbad, Juno, Breakfast Club, Booksmart, all of these very good teen movies. Obviously, those are some of the heights of teen films. Um, This one, I did not enjoy, not because of the plot, uh, but mainly because of the writing and the performances for the most part thereof. The music's bad and you should feel bad. Uh huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you feel slightly similar? Yeah, and I think this film is a fine teen rom com. You know, that it, you're been right. Worse. I think if I had seen this movie on like a Hallmark Channel or a Lifetime type setting, I would have like because there were it wasn't as bad or as Hallmarky as something like The Christmas Prince or anything like that. Uh, which is still a Netflix film, correct? Uh, yep. Uh-huh. But it, it had uh, kind of that substandard uh, delivery and sweetness where the conflicts were barely conflicts. The writing wasn't quippy or smart, except that line about the condoms. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the rubbers, Dad. And like, I'm not disparaging anybody's um, performances on this. It just... it. It was probably the most basic cookie cutter film that I've seen this year. Yeah, I I'm gonna warn you. I don't think this is anywhere near the bottom we'll ever find. Oh no, I I'm not expecting that. It was it was just something that was made now, and it was made by people who were seemingly trying to make good work. And I like my my notes. I took so many notes for this movie, and they're all just followed by question marks and exclamation marks and it's there's so 
I am. Can I say something else good about this film? Yeah, please. The lighting for this movie where like, um, <laughs> wait, I'm going to stop you right there. I don't think you can say anything nice when you say the lighting is something because that's what you say to like your um, junior varsity <laughs> theatrical production of like, well, the lighting was good. Yeah, the stages were great. Great. I really loved your sets. Good job. Um, but the whole movie is kind of beautiful in its exteriors because it all feels like it's shot in um, in Magic Hour. Like, mm-hmm. like, like I really liked that. Um, so the color correction guy did a good job. Good yeah. job, color correction guy or girl. Yeah. Yeah, but the interiors like were so hit or miss for me. Honestly, like I really wanted to praise something about this movie, but <laughs> I even find myself backpedaling on that. And like I said before, it's really tough to make a movie, and I'm um and and I am wrong compared to most people, uh, or not compared to I am I am on the opposite side of this than the critics because this has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe that's because there's so many, and I'm glad that we're embarking on this journey, that this is a special category unto itself, that it is a rom, a Netflix rom-com. It's not just any rom-com, it's a Netflix rom-com. And we have, we have so many films ahead of us. We've got to do the Kissing Booth films. We've got to do the Noah Centennial, um, like, filmography, basically, and um, it's... Yeah, you're if you're sad now, buckle up, buddy. Yeah, so you know I uh, I watched uh this movie ended and I breathed a sigh of relief and then the trailer for the next film came on. And <laughs> yeah. honestly, I don't know if it's Netflix's I don't know if it's just the the cleanliness of Netflix's filmmaking, like and I say that in regards to its cinematography where I'm where I'm like immediately like, well, this looks like it was um it was crafted with professionalism and, and style. Um, but the the next f- film looked good to me. Like I watched the trailer and in watching the trailer, I was like, I'd see that. Exactly. It's Netflix is full of um, watchable mediocrity. Um, okay. So you hated this movie. That's okay. Let's talk it out. Cause I didn't hate this movie. I didn't. Well, I didn't. I didn't. You hate, didn't hate it either. I didn't hate it either. There were there were some things I enjoyed about it, um, but I think I, I come to it. There are movies that I dislike that I kind of like more than movies like this that I feel very disappointed in or meh about, I guess, where if if I can watch a movie and really dislike it for some reason, at, at least I'm. I feel like I'm interacting with the world in some way, but this is so mediocre and so praised that I, I like my spirit wants to take it down even more, I think. Oh, cause you want to, you want to equalize it. Well, I just, I don't want more movies like this made. Like I'd rather a movie fail because it's bad and nobody make a movie like that anymore or, but the the complicated thing about this film is, I feel like I want movies like this to be made more, uh, both in uh, genre and in like in its subject matter and its cast. Like, I want movies like this to be made. But if people all across the board really like this movie, and I think it's such poor quality, I'm just <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, we're just setting ourselves up for a bunch more of these, I guess. 
yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, let's, uh, I, I'll, let, my, my assessment of the movie is it's fine enough for our purposes of our purposes. When you have Netflix, it's not like when I, what did I just watch? Um, oh, oh, we just watched the Philadelphia story. We rewatched mm. the Philadelphia story, which is a great movie. And I have the Criterion Collection Blu-ray. And I'm, I, I will say it now, I am a physical media collector. Shout out to my fellow physical media collectors. Um, we are warriors. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> we that was, are. That was the nerdiest high five I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. I collect Blu-rays, I collect CDs, I collect a little vinyl. I watch TV shows through DVDs. And you know what I found out? Um, Side note to my side note. The TV shows now that are going on to streaming services, their music rights are expiring. So the TV shows that are going on like Hulu and Netflix that are like classic sitcoms, some of the songs aren't the original music. And for some shows, that's devastating. Uh, I hear that on Scrubs, on it's on Hulu right now, but it's not all the original music. And a show like Scrubs, they worked very, very hard to get very good, specific, very specific song choices on there. And for him to switch it out like that just ugh, just bugs me. Um, so I have the DVDs of those. I have the DVDs. Yes, of... yes. You have lots of DVDs Anyways, and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> the the like actual process of like, we're going to watch the Philadelphia story. It takes an effort to go grab the D- the Blu-ray off my shelf, take it out of its case, look at its beautiful artwork, put it in the uh, Blu-ray player, watch it. And like, it's a lot, there's a lot more uh, ceremony to watching that than just turning on your computer or your phone or whatever and turning on Netflix and just letting it play. And it's just kind of Netflix has this autoplay aura about it where it's like, we're just going to keep playing stuff. You're going to browse through stuff. We're just going to start it anyways. Have you noticed that when you're just like clicking through things, it starts, it doesn't even like let you read the description. It just starts it up and Uh it's just like, just sit down, watch it. We just need a click. We just need a click for our numbers that we won't share with anybody. Yeah. And so for Netflix, there's something about the you're not really paying attention and you're not really making a ceremony out of what you're watching. You're just kind of putting on Netflix. It's close to the opposite of cinema. Like, I I don't want to jump on the whole uh, like Martin Scorsese train here where I'm like, that's not cinema. But because I, I think there are great filmmakers working for and being purchased by Netflix that are making good films. But mm-hmm. what you were describing is basically the opposite of cinema. It's there's something on that I can walk away from and I don't need to experience as a whole in order to enjoy. I know because uh, like, yeah, on the one hand, you have Netflix supporting, fully supporting filmmakers like Martin Scorsese and Spike Lee and the Coen brothers. Um, on the other hand, these other movies could have been so much better, but they must have been the most profitable films for Netflix because they paid out the ear for Martin Scorsese, but they probably paid barely nothing for a movie like what we're talking about today. And the one we're talking about today is probably in their top like 20 films that's been streamed. Did we even say which movie we watched? To all the boys I've loved before. All right. Sounds and, like a good crooner song. And let's just, it's a, it's a pretty simple plot. Why don't you lay it out for us? Uh, so Laura Jean, not Laura, 
Laura Jean. Laura Jean, who, and they say her name almost every single time, which is great, except when the sisters do it. And it's like, why do you, why do you have to say her name every time? You're sisters. You should have shorthand. You should have nicknames. Um, so Laura Jean has a crush on her older sister's boyfriend, who was originally her like teenage hood friend, one of her best friends. Um, but he started dating her older sister. And so she's harbored this crush for him for quite some time. Well, to deal with her crush, she wrote a letter never sent, which is actually a very good therapeutic thing to do to deal with your feelings. You write a letter to a person, but you don't actually send it. You you, you write it up and you put it in an envelope and you put it in your plush box that mm-hmm. is in your closet. And that- can I say as a framing device for a film? Really cool. Mm-hmm. So she has five letters of these major crushes in her life. I don't know if that means she's only had five crushes or five crushes that are substantial enough to have a letter written. About. I think the, the second one. Okay. Um, and what happens is uh, her sister dumps uh, her boyfriend. Because she's Lord, going away to college in Scotland. Which is pretty cool. Or yep. as Laura Jean's little sister is pretty crack. What do you think Margo's doing tonight? Crack. Is that real? Is crack a real thing? Or is she making that up? Um, I know that in Ireland, um, you can use the word kraken as in that's like really cool or awesome. Mm, I want to use but that. I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know from Scotland. So now she's in a conundrum because he's free, but he dated her sister. So he's off limits. What is she going to do? Well, fate comes to the rescue because her... No, her little sister sabotages her. (laughs) But that's fate too. No, it's not. That is... I'm fake. I'm doing you a favor. You're my sister and I'm going to kill you. That is a precociously self-aware child doing something to like mess or to uh, get her sister going in her life. Yeah. Basically, Laura Jean's little sister just sends the letters. Um, And one of the other letters goes to her ex best friend's ex boyfriend. See, this is mired in high school like relationships. There's an argument in this movie about why didn't you sit with me on the bus? It is going to be (laughs) that high school level of complicated. This is high school politics. It's there, and you and I both would have preferred, vastly preferred Mean Girls or 10 Things I Hate About You. Which has that kind of politics in it, too. Exactly, exactly. But we would agree that those films have a little bit more sophistication to them. Yes, yes, sirree. So these letters go out, goes to her ex-best friend's ex-boyfriend, who's one of the most popular guys in school, that's basically professing her love to him. And he confronts Laura Jean and says, you know what? It's never going to happen. And she's like, okay, whatever. Um, But she has a situation where she needs to show, is it Josh, the other guy? Josh. Show Josh that she's not still in love with Josh by kissing this other guy. Um, and it's all a front. And eventually, in order to keep up the ruse and in order for hi- Peter, the person that she is pretending to, you know, hang out with uh, and date, they they set up a contract where they pretend to date in order for Peter to get his girlfriend back because he's making her jealous. And in order for basically to create a weird relational buffer between um, our main character, Laura Jean, 
and Josh, her sister's ex-boyfriend, who got a letter and wants to talk to her about it, but she's like, I'm going to avoid this by dating Pete. So it's a pretty good um, pretty good concept for a rom-com. I agree. It is a good concept. And I don't... The problem is, though, it is also a pretty good concept for an episode of a sitcom. Yeah, or like a Disney Channel original movie. You know, this is the new Disney Channel original movie. I really think it is. There is a... I'm pretty sure that I've seen a Disney Channel original movie where a guy... I mean, it's one of those classic ones where like a guy um, was made a bet that he could go... Like, who's the super popular guy? Made a bet that he could go out with... um, like the least popular girl, the prom or something like that. And then they end up falling for each other. And then in the end, they're together. And I feel like that is what we're going to be getting from Netflix. Look, this this movie's plot and and even the writing of such could could be carried and it could be more interesting if, and I don't know the reason for this, but if they had gotten better performances from the actors and i don't i don't want to go hard on these kids because these are a bunch of kids in a teen movie um and i don't know how much but i couldn't find how much budget this film had i don't know how much time they had but it it felt like they got a take and they're like great that'll work let's move on and i know that's not how it worked but that's what it felt like to me so this is why you hire 30 year olds for teen movies this mm-hmm. is why um, you hired um, Rachel McAdams for Mean Girls, who right. is 30, and she's playing a 16-year-old. Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, how old was Heath Ledger for 10 Things I Hate About You? Um, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> let's look that up. Don't say anything else while we look this up. You look that up. Okay. He was 20. Damn. Damn. Okay, Heath Ledger's the exception, everybody. Right. He was only 28 when he died. But, I mean, God. people people in this movie are all over the place. Like, uh, our, our lead character, um, is it, it's Lana Condor? Mm-hmm. She's, <clears throat> she was born in 97, um, which is, you know... Close to age appropriate. Um, but her older sister is like my age. That's what I thought. Yeah. She is very old. And Well, hey. <laughs> settled, <laughs> I, she was born the year you were. So, <laughs> oh. Well, she's very old for this movie, for that character. Yeah, she's very old for a, for a 19-year-old. Um, I, thought, I thought Laura Jean was very good most of the time. I thought the, the Netflix heartthrob of the moment right now or at least I'm told, is the Noah Centennio, right? That's I like him. I like the cut of his jaw. Oh. Oh, what else do you like about him? His eyes. And his tufty hair. Okay. Um, Notice throughout the whole film, he does... Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no, no. Never mind. I I wasn't talking about Noah. I was talking about Israel Broussard, who was playing Josh. Oh, you like him? You like the bony bear guy? Yeah. Um, like, Noah's fine, too. 
but but Noah's like, like the whoa 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 hey you know hey yo whoa, 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 hey whoa, hey whoa 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 hey whoa, whoa, hey Covey Covey whoa whoa hey 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 I'm a jock but you know I want to join the Teamsters one day it's no big deal forget about it dude this is vancouver trying to be portland what is this new york accent man what are you trying to do um i think let's um basically what happens is they get they get together in the end there's complications (laughs) where um the the our lead character is pretty reserved and she's quote-unquote unpopular which is meaningless there's no reasons that we know that popular she's just not part of the popular crowd even though she's super cool, never awkward, and has fabulous style. She and this guy are pretending to date, but they end up falling for each other. But his ex-girlfriend is kind of being a bee to our main character because she kissed her ex-boyfriend in like... Years ago. Like fourth grade or something like that. And so it's like kind of a a deep-seated revenge that she has on her heart. And then that all gets resolved when he stands up for her and then also tells her like hey i really like you and you're not second best to her and it all works out i feel like you and i in high school would have been friends with laura jean yeah totally we would have also just kind of like ignored the mean girl of this situation well we would have been ignored by get that right (laughs) either way they would have been such a non-factor they would be like, "Well, you're ignoring us. We're ignoring you because you're 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 mean. <laughs> we don't want to be around that." And she's she's not even there's there's something about these films where um, our ulterior characters don't exist outside the thrust of the plot. Um, like her her best friend, who is cousins to the mean girl, is like super quirky and weird and like confrontational in a cool way. She's, she's pretty awesome, but I don't know who she is except when we're dealing with the situation from the plot. And, Mm -hmm. and the same thing with, um, basically the same thing with, uh, um, Laura Jean's antagonist. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my my capsule review I did for Letterboxd was um, pretty good, but uh, a lot of plot points are needlessly complicated. But then again, so are teenagers. Nice. Um, Would you agree? Would you concur? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you sound so conflicted about no, it. No, I'm it not conflicted. Like I'm... A part of you wants to not hate it. No, I, what I want to do is not be mean to this film. I'm just trying to find... So there is like a grudging respect for what it does. No. Oh. Uh, no, it's it's a it's a I'm trying I'm trying to have a conversation about this film without rolling my eyes at it too much. Um oh, but like there are fine. there are things about this movie that do f- that I would love to see in a um in a film focused on, I guess. Like there's a Titanic themed dance, right? That she goes to with one of the boys she loved before. And he ends up being like kind of a, a cooler, more fleshed out character. And, uh, but still the most cliche 
the gay best friend. Why? Well, why? We're better than that. No, it, he's not her best friend. He's just a friend. I know, but he serves the gay best friend role where he's like, what are you doing in here? Hot guys in a hot tub. I'm going to push you. Like, that's such the role in the in the movie cliche, the movie cliche character stock I, of gay best friend. I, he's always the one pushing you to go and fulfill your eudaimonia, your, your major thing. Here's the thing. thing. I, I think it's a trope, but I don't think it... I think in this film, that was simply used to... Um, that was... I mean, it's just you can have a best friend or you can have a friend who is gay in your film it didn't seem like ah guess what here comes that character you all know and love it like he was barely her friend until that trip nah. they just knew each other yeah no been. i think you i think you just saw him and you're like oh he's gay oh he's her friend thus he's the gay best friend no no really because only I, because of what he did for the plot i don't think he brought anything to the movie right that he was a he was a guy that was safe. I don't. That here, wasn't, here's a secret. I don't think anybody brought anything to this movie. <laughs> um, you're right. You're you're just like maybe I should like let you like. Yeah. Get can, it out can, of I, your can I just rant for a second? Just just rant against it. Then then maybe we can be more okay. Um, loose. Hold on. Just one last good thing beforehand. I liked I liked Lana Condor's voice. I thought it was really good for narration. I bet she does a lot of, um, like, because this movie, a lot of it was narrated, and I bet she does vocal work and gets a lot of work for that. Not that she shouldn't, you know, do a lot of FaceTime too, but just, like, her voice was really cool. What about what about John Corbett? Did you like him? <sighs> yeah, but again, he was stuck in this script where he's sitting on the stairs and he's like, ah, oh, that makes me so proud. And then somebody says, wow, that was a sweet moment using me to get back at Jen. It's not just that. Since you've been with Peter, well, I don't know, LJ. I've never seen you so happy. Honey, she's right. I'm sorry, I wasn't eavesdropping, but I haven't seen you have so much fun going to parties and making new friends. You made your old man very happy. That was kind of sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, thank, did thank like, you for telling us that about the script and what it's doing. I did like his line where he's like, I'm going to leave the kitchen now. Yeah, I liked that. Like these characters shine as much as they can in the script. But <laughs> there's like this moment when he he takes his her mom died when she was younger and he takes her towards the end of the movie to the diner that they used to go to that she goes to all the time. And he's like, you know, your mom and I used to come here all the time. There's no way she wouldn't have known that already. Like there's no way he wouldn't have been like, Oh, your mom and I used to come here (laughs) to this place that you come to all the time. And on top of that, he's like, I know that I've had to rely on you and your sisters so much. And you, but you shouldn't be an adult. You shouldn't be having to do this. We don't see that in this film. We don't Mm -hmm. see them having to be adults. We just see them being teenagers. And there's all these moments in this movie that are stuffed in there like that. Like when her best friend and her are just sitting on a couch having a conversation. And can I say all the conversations in this movie are just people sitting somewhere having conversations. They're not doing anything. They're not accomplishing anything. It makes them so uninteresting. Filmmakers out there, listen to me. Go watch Nora Ephron, okay? 
there, there are conversations where people are like sitting across from tables, but they're also having orgasms at those tables. Okay. If you're going to have <laughs> characters talk to each other while they're sitting down, have it be interesting or have the, if the conversation is going to be dull and bore my mind to this degree, have them be painting something, have them be trying to break through a wall, have them doing something. It allows but- your actors to act. I think this this movie, like, oh, her friend and her on the couch. Um, at one point in time, she's like, hey, friend, stop being my friend just to get back at your cousin. Uh, or stop using me to get back at your cousin. We, we've never seen that happen. She's just making mm-hmm. up plot points and character development left <laughs> and right. Um, and, and this movie, I think most of all, its greatest sin among many is that it had no strong voice. Like, you have a really interesting character in Laura Jean. She is, as we, well, we've been told that she hides a lot of her emotions and doesn't talk to people about how she feels, right? And she is struggling with that. And her sister is the one who kind of forces her out into the world. But we don't see her struggle to have conversations with anybody that would support that. Like, like this this movie is supposed to be told in narration so we get what she doesn't say on the outside but this movie doesn't feel restrained in any way it's its theme does not fit its filmmaking in the least like and, and maybe that's what i'm most disappointed about that if this movie had a strong voice behind it and it wasn't made for extreme mass market appeal it could have been a good movie I have too many notes for you to let me go on too long. Okay. <sighs> oh, um, Fight Club. Hold on. At one point in time, they're making the contract and they're making a list of things that each one has to do in the contract. And it's kind of cute and I like part of it. But then he's like, um, you haven't seen Fight Club? You know, like you can't tell anybody about Fight Club. Obviously, we keep the secret. And then later on, he's like, hey, we don't keep secrets of, uh, from each other because, you know, our Fight Club agreement. Are you keeping tabs on me? Come on, Covey. You had to talk to me. I mean, what happened to No Secrets? Fight Club. Remember? Though that doesn't make sense. What? Like it's like the script supervisor never once tapped the director on the shoulder and was like, "By the way, this isn't going to make sense later on in your movie." <laughs> What's he talking about? Um, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I'm hearing. I'm here for you. I'm hearing you. Hey, hold I'm me, listening. Ryan. Hold me in the, yeah, the warm embrace it. of your arms. Okay, okay. And uh, I hate being this guy. I I hate disparaging a movie. And I've I've been a part of too many film sets where, as I was making it, I knew it was a bad movie. And I don't want to listen to people trash it except me. So all the filmmakers, if any of you ever end up listening to this you know fuck me i'm sorry for being mean to you (laughs) well i will still defend it as a competent watchable film that you throw on i would rather throw on while you were sleeping um than this but i wouldn't be surprised if netflix is just kind of like we're just gonna play this now and you're not gonna do anything about it because you're not gonna get off your seat fat ass and it's just like you're right i'm so sorry (laughs) torture me with this please yeah my assessment of the film on the whole, though, is I think it accomplishes what it meant to accomplish. I don't think it's a failure of a film. What was it trying to accomplish? Very, Tell me that. I think it's just been a bubbly teen movie. And I don't think there's anything more to it. It's like, um, uh, 
it's like Burger King. Like there's nothing good in it, but it does its job. Like it's got fries, it's got soda, it's got mm. a burger that you microwaved, but yeah. it's there. You know what? I actually can say that when I finished watching this movie, I had watched a movie. <laughs> and I but felt like it. Maybe because I've screened so many bad films that don't even make it to any platform that I have even lower standards for like what gets made and what gets out there. Um, so this was just kind of like, eh, that's about what I was expecting. Mm. But my biggest problem with the film is not the script, but the direction. If you, you probably noticed this right away. The director doesn't know how to frame shots. Oh my gosh. Like the, there were times when characters were talking on the same side of the screen in a shot reverse shot for no reason. Like there were a lot of those like, and, and then a, a character would walk into the background. It just, it was super unprofessional. Like the 180 line wasn't necessarily like broken left and right or anything like that. But the framing showed nothing of who had any power in any of the scenes. There was, it was just like, we're going to shoot a shot, reverse shot and a two shot, maybe an establishing. And that's going to be it for every scene. Nothing was special. Yeah. There were so few inserts. Okay. Okay. I'm okay. sorry. You're right. I'm Calm sorry. down, Tiger. I'm sorry. I can just hear our listeners being like, they're being so mean. I know. I know. <laughs> There's going to be, Hey, if you like this movie, that's great because you should. And this movie, you should like this movie. Like, um, I'm, I, I'm right. And you're right. We're all right. <laughs> yeah. I would sooner watch this than I'd watch a Christmas Prince and we're going to watch a Christmas Prince for this show. And I'm going to hate it. Say, I know you, I know you hate, hate watching things, but that one, I can sit back in the cut and make fun of it. This movie, Robin was watching it with me and she was just like, it's so unrealistic and there's just a bunch of rich kids that I can't care about having stupid <laughs> problems. <laughs> and that's that's not saying like watching a movie about rich kids can't be interesting because there's a lot of aspects to their lives that can be interesting and people can learn a lot as rich kids too. They go to the ski trip, right? Oh yeah. There's no chaperones. It's it's a school. Yeah, where it's a is school everybody? Sh- it's a school sanctioned trip with no chaperones. That the dads are just like, yeah, go ahead, go out there, enjoy yourself, which it was cool. I liked seeing um, her dad say, you know what? If you're gonna have sex, be safe. Okay, let's make this end. It's your decision. I want you to be safe. Dad, why are you giving me these? Pulling out's not protection. Oh my God, I'm getting hard. Don't forget to have fun. Yes, well, I have a lot of rubbers for that, specifically. Like, that was that was super progressive and good of him, um, and embarrassing, as a dad should be. Um, but they're, they're there, and there's, like, that would, n- I don't know, maybe, did you, did you go to a high school where that would have happened? Okay, so my high school trip, I went to Disneyland with the high school band. Right. I did the same thing with choir. Um, to Disneyland? Yeah. We sang it. Disneyland. You did like, um, did you do like a competition? Mm-hmm. Did you win? No, we got second. Oh, what's wrong with you? My voice sucks. Oh, you it's as gravelly. I was smoking a lot at the time. <laughs> um, and we were at a hotel and I'm pretty sure I roomed with three other guys. Yep, me too. And 
it never crossed any of our minds to go canoodle with any of the ladies because they didn't invite us. Okay, but but did you have <laughs> did you have adults um, present during this trip? I don't remember who the chaperones were, other than whoever my high school music teacher was was definitely there. I knew she was there, and and they're probably assistant. I don't even I don't remember any adults. Well, you would have had to because like you guys also loading like did you perform? Yeah, we 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 did a competition. We did a sight reading competition. We did really well. Did you win? No. Why? I suck. <laughs> um but I mean when we went, we had our choir teacher orchestra came with us, so there was the orchestra teacher too, and then we had um the TA and two parents. And it's fine. You don't need that on all of these trips. Still, but... it's really weird the way they depicted it. Yeah. It seemed like they were completely unsupervised. Yeah. And I mean, that's fine if, if you're like going up with a bunch of friends to the mountains. But if it's like a school event, that it just it doesn't happen. Uh, but she she comes home from this trip after making out with her um, fake. Boyfriend. This is where the movie really just where I'm just going like, what are you guys doing now? Like at this point. After the ski, ski trip, I was like, okay, I was tracking with you. I was like accepting the plot that you were delivering. But now you're going on to this weird subplot about like someone filmed her in the hot tub with um, her fake boyfriend and they were actually making out. And, and they posted it on, on Instagram. Instagram. And they're like, oh my gosh, porno video. And, and they, they all have of us grownups whole... who have had sex were like, that's not porn. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top, I mean, it it could feel a little bit like that if you were a teenager, but then later on, her sister like helps her take it down. And she's like, you know, we called this, this website and got it taken down or got it taken down. And that's stuff that kids have to deal with, but it was done in such like an after school special kind of way where it's, they're like, Hey, we took care of this. We called this person. This is how we're dealing with this. And it was almost like, Hey, kids, if you ever get stuck in this situation, this is how you deal with it. This is how you help your brother and sister. So the message was good, but it was yeah. just like so. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, the most the most disappointing part is we have the culmination of all the plots in this like confrontation where Laura Jean breaks up with her fake boyfriend who is becoming her real boyfriend because everyone... they had feelings for each other. And she's mad at him because he went and to talk to his ex-girlfriend and she wouldn't even let him explain. And but she's too mad to listen to him. She and doesn't she, seem like that kind of character. She seems so level headed the rest of the film. I know. And it's just one of those things where it's like, ah, we need a conflict. Uh, yeah. And they didn't even really think about it. Um, so he comes over to their house while her sister is home. And he somehow gets her to confess that she was in love with the guy that you're in love with, Boney Bear guy. Just in time for all of them to be out there and for her sister to walk out onto the porch. And as much as I'll defend this movie, this key scene just falls completely flat where it's like all these plot points had to have been hit somehow, but it was hit in such a disappointing way. It's like you whiffed, you just whiffed this whole moment. I, I have only one note for that scene, and it's <laughs> it's porch scene. Ugh. <laughs> and like nothing is motivated correctly. It isn't. And like there's 
there's the time when they fight in the bedroom because like her like they're doing some confession and it's a fine scene where she confesses yeah she loved to her sister that she you know fell in love with josh and then like her youngest sister the extremely precocious self-aware one um this is another thing for filmmakers. If you if you're going to coach a child to have a whole bunch of irreverent lines before they're they're able to do that, like generally in real life, if you have a character that's just way old for their age, they can't know that. Like mm-hmm. that's something that makes that character annoying. Don't do it. But they're having this conversation and the youngest sister admits like I'm the one who sent the letters. And they have this fight quote unquote, where they're chasing each other around the bedroom, but it's filmed so boringly that like, I couldn't tell, are they play fighting yeah, or is or she, she actually going to hurt? Because, it, because she's chasing her around with this unicorn stick and it could be hilarious if it was a real fight. It'd be very Wes Anderson-y where it's like, I'm, I'm going to get you. And maybe she wasn't going to like beat the crap out of her, but you know, she could actually, it seemed like she was really mad, but the way they filmed it, it just felt like they were like, ha ha. I am mad at you. And then at the end, her sister's like, you have to, you have to be cool. And I'm like, oh, this is a real, is this a real fight? I can't tell. Mm -hmm. Oh man, you are just like, I I see through my Skype screen, just steam coming off of your head. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Again, I feel like we're going into Burger King and we're like, this steak is terrible. And it's like, sir, that's a cheeseburger. This steak is terrible. Well, it would be like this. If, all of your friends recommended you go go to this, let's call it um, Fry Prince, just because I don't want to give Burger King any more uh, free advertising. But they're like, you got to try out this new restaurant, Fry Prince. It is great. It's like, a, a, you know, it's kind of new. They're doing a new healthy kind of fast food, but it's it's really good. Everybody likes it. And then you walk in and it's just Burger King. Um, okay, so if we were Siskel and Ebert right now, mm-hmm. you would give it a thumbs down. Yes, I would give it a thumbs down. I would not recommend somebody watch this. I would recommend <laughs> people make a movie that is just like this, but care more about it. I, I and that's un, that's unfair to the filmmakers because I have no <laughs> idea, but it. Well, I, I, I want to just stake my reputation in some ways and say, I'm going to recommend it. I'm going to put my thumbs up. You, because not I'm even just a sideways? S- like, no, there's no there's no sideways votes in Cisco. It's one or the other. Um, and they what I love about Cisco and Ebert, when they give it a thumbs up, sometimes they're like, it's not a good movie, but I'm still going to recommend it. And that's what the thumbs were for. And I'm going to say it's harmlessly benign. That there's nothing, for me, I didn't find it odious. I just didn't find it good. But that doesn't mean, I would I rather like watch paint dry? Of course not. I would watch this movie if that was my two choices. There's, a, there's plenty of other things that I would prefer this movie to. So that's why I'm going to just give it that compliment of like, you know what? You do something. I don't think it's great, but you're doing it. And it's okay for you to not yeah. be on yeah. that side. Um, but I guess that's because we're gonna continue to trash it. But I just want to like call. We're gonna like step away from the victim for sure. a second, put our bats down, and be like, eh, you know, 
I, I think it's not the worst. I think what this um, what's something that we've talked about a lot is that there is kind of a form and function of the rom-com genre. The form being that two people fall in love or like each other, at least uh, they come together. There are obstacles put in their path. They overcome those obstacles and the movie either ends with them together or not. But this movie wasn't trying to like it would beg the questions like, oh, man, could this really popular guy go out with this girl? Like that was I don't care. <laughs> well, not only do you not care that much, but all of her his friends were just like, you're accepted. You're part of this group right away. Like there there was. Yeah, like everything was so easy everything ended with a side hug saying, man, it's okay. It's cool. They have a fight at a diner. And then later on they text each other and they're like, Hey, I really like you. And the other one's like, I like you too. And it's just that this, if you're going to have a teen movie, I need to feel like the stakes are overblown and dramatic. Yes. But they're kind of life and death to this kid. And mm, that's a good way of putting it. And like this movie does that a couple times where, you know, it's 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 like um, and, and it has good moments that I'd like to see done well. Like at one point in time, her friends like after 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 the, the social media video of her making out with her boyfriend goes online, her best friend is like, you have to tell everybody that she, you know, stop picking on her and stuff and he does and that's great that's that's nice that's a good thing for him to do but but like there was no reason for him to like there was no reason that was a struggle for him in any way like he's just a good guy mm -hmm. trying to do a good thing and yeah and that's good like we want people like that in life but it doesn't make for interesting drama yeah so i think in our hall of fame of teen movies Lady Bird, Juno, 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, what else? What else would we put in there? Um, Perks of Being... I know you haven't seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, but it is... It is operate... Like, it is the Oscar winner to this movie's Burger King. You know, and maybe, maybe we really are being unfair because maybe this is a teen movie for people that aren't yet teenagers. Well, if like more like this is a um, this is a how to guide about <laughs> no, this is a movie about 17 year olds, but the target audience is 12 year olds. Because when you're 12, you're just thinking about the bigger drama of when you'll be a little bit older. And like growing up, we had Boy Meets World and like those characters were a little bit older than me. And so like when Corey Matthews and Topanga Lawrence went to prom and then they got a hotel room, I was scandalized because I was like 13 when I watched that episode, but those characters were 18. Um, and that it was so juicy for me to watch. I was like, Oh man. And I didn't want to watch a show about 12 year olds. I wanted to watch a show about the 18 year olds. Cause that was way more exciting. Cause it was foreign and different, but it was like a vision of my future of like, I soon will be going through the same things but i'm not yet dealing with them so i feel safer about sure. it sure yeah i i think those are really interesting aspects of teen films and tv shows yeah so i feel like the 12 year old's not gonna know the difference 
of like, I don't know, I guess that's what high school's like. Teenagers are stupid. Well, uh, no, that's that's why I don't dislike the plot of this film. Mm-hmm. The plot works for me. It's the execution. Um, yeah, and I I mean, I still think Kate Leopold is far more illogical in its story progression than a movie like this. Sure, I agree, but it is well-performed. Um, uh, well, well, I mean, half uh, part of it is. Um, but <laughs> Hugh Jackman is... Let's let's just take a second. Hugh Jackman, you're a treasure. I love you. You're a, an international treasure. Um, but like, like this movie, it, like her room. Can we like her like the production design of her room is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's other scenes like that. I mean, the painting on the wall back there, great. But there's other scenes like when they're making their contract where he writes something on there and it's all scribbly and scrabbly, and then you cut to it and they've they have a different version of the the prop oh i didn't even and, and that. it's just like written. see if you're watching it on your phone you'd never notice i i know and that's i mean that's why i would say <laughs> that this isn't meant to be cinema it's not meant to be seen on the big screen it is made but specifically for netflix yeah and that's why i feel like it's the it is the disney channel original movie because when you were 12 you were also watching the disney channel original movies and you weren't paying nearly enough attention to those no when you're 12. well i was but i was a special child um, but like when Phantom and the Megaplex comes on, you're not like pointing out continuity errors when it's going on. You're just kind of like, it's on. You're like doing your homework and it's just on somewhere. No, right? no I would never do my homework while I was watching a movie as a kid. Even a Disney movie? No, I, even when you just have the Disney Channel on? No, I was always either doing my homework or watching a movie. Well, you're a special child. I was, but... <laughs> but like you're, I am the kind of kid who just had the TV on at all times. What, what this, and so whatever Disney Channel was showing, it was showing. If if this is the rubric for which we are to further judge Netflix films, um, then two things: a, I will come at the next movie a lot less hard, um, mm-hmm. because I will be kind of prepped for that curve. Two, I'm really sad because <laughs> Netflix films. Netflix is is one of the production studios that basically holds, especially independent filmmakers, uh, to a new kind of standard where we're not going to be getting a lot of studio, like big studio money. We're going to be lucky if we're picked up by Netflix and we're going to be lucky if they give us any free reign to make something artistic. And how are you supposed to bring it when this level is what they're wanting? Well, I think there's a higher standard for different demographics. Yeah, and um, and maybe maybe I thought this movie was going to be like a a Juno standard, and I yeah, because like let's call it for it is we are men in their thirties. Netflix is not worrying about us watching this movie. I I know, but like like a, a movie like Juno isn't worried about us necessarily they're they're going for the big audience but they're not doing it with a like a a mainstream paintbrush you know what i mean yeah i'm trying to think of other films that were just kind of like let's not let's just worry about hitting our demographic and like getting them what they want first and not really worry about anything else i feel like edge of 17 was doing that but i i really appreciated the filmmaking in that but it's there's something 
kind of cheap about this movie where it's like it's not really worried about being a good film it's just worried about are we hitting enough notes for our target audience to enjoy it yeah it doesn't even have to like be strung together logically are we giving them enough of these moments have, have you ever read um like poetry like children's poetry I read Goodnight Moon to my son last night. So Very good. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, there's, um, I, I feel like children's poetry is a good comp for something like this, where you have st- stuff by Edward Lear, let's say, um, that is like probably 50% of the time, it's going to be a, a fun, weird romp of nonsense poetry, but is still sophisticated enough that an adult reading it is going to be like, nice, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Then you have something where it's like, my dad and my cat were walking with a bat. <laughs> and like we, we have this book of children's poetry. That's why and I can see it from where I'm sitting. That's why I'm bringing this up. But we, we sometimes turn it random to that. And the level of quality just in children's poetry is something where you can come to a poem expecting it to be crap. And it's like actually this adventure story about like an elf who is, you know, <laughs> trying desperately to save his kingdom. Or you can have one that's about how rain makes things wet and isn't that neat. And I, I seeing this movie from the outside, I really thought it was going to be much more of a a Juno or Perks of Being a Wallflower. I thought it was going to care about the hearts of these characters more like like uh i was thinking about avatar um because avatar popped up on my netflix and it was like hey you might want to watch this because you just watched um the movie we watched today for to all the boys i've loved before and that was made for kids too but it can be universally devoured because of its its charm and its quality and i feel like this movie doesn't yeah. care about that yeah so like that's a, okay, that's a good example. Avatar The Last Airbender, the show, is of such grand, wonderful, beautiful fantasy storytelling that it's competitive with all of the greats it, in sci-fi it's fantasy. Compa- it's it, comparable to Star Wars. It, it, it competes with Star Wars. It competes with Doctor Who. It competes with Buffy. It competes with... Uh, I don't know. You name it. It is. It'll. It'll. It holds its own supremely. And it, it being a kids show, being on Nickelodeon has nothing to do with anything. It's just Nickelodeon was lucky to have it, but it could have been on any any channel. Um, but that for Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon knows like, oh my God, we've never had anything like this. <laughs> like they know like this is stupendously. Uh, amazing for us our average product is nothing even anywhere remote to this and i think that's what we're looking at is we're looking at like netflix is such a big uh big brand big channel that it encompasses martin scorsese to movies like this where it's like we can't or even stranger things it's like we how do we categorize what netflix does because it does so much and i'm, and I'm so glad such, it does like th- that and makes it's me such happy. varying quality yeah i i just and it's great that it exists i definitely just went into this movie expecting the effort that went into stranger things for instance um mm-hmm. because how I, I guess how could you know 
And that's, uh, that's yeah. part of the exciting thing about coming to Netflix is saying like, all right, there is there's an unknown world here. And that's why I have hope that I might come to another Netflix rom-com and just, you know, be blown away by it. But I won't be expecting to. Or maybe to. we'll we'll make the the great Netflix romantic comedy. Maybe. You and I will make it. Maybe. Hope, I mean, fingers crossed. Maybe. maybe. Um, all right, Ryan. What, what, what's your Oscar for this movie then? Uh, this is another this is another episode of Kelly and Ryan's rom-com Oscars. Sorry, that's as much grandeur as I can bring into this oh, moment. No. Rom-com Oscars. QB plus. QB plus. Okay. Um I'm gonna give it the best basic No no. How do I put this? The most basic award. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most basic. Yeah, I have basic written six times in this. Um, and that doesn't make it bad. It simply is the adjective that best describes the filmmaking. Um, I've I've got to be convinced that there's a bunch of content in this movie that we're just not appreciating because we're so distracted by the poor filmmaking. Maybe. The thing is, I like um, a couple years ago, I was working on a a a script that um required it was just a lot of it was set in high school and so i took a day and just attended high school classes at a nearby high school as a guest and man high school is barely different than it used to be it's like like some of the lingos changed but i i think you and i are definitely objective enough and like remember high school enough to be like oh yeah okay things are a little bit more progressive and cool and kids have way more cell phones these days but it just seemed like high school and this movie just seemed like high school like i i don't know if there was there was something here that i was missing as an adult except for the feeling of criticism like you were saying Mm. i was gonna say we're Laura Jean, we would have been in Laura Jean's camp because, um, you know, she wears docs, she watches watches old movies. We've gotten along with her, and I forgot what it was to be in high school, where even at sixteen, your fellow students felt like philistines to you, where it's like, oh my god, yeah, you're so ignorant. And I loved that scene where they were watching like Sixteen Candles, and he's like, dude, this is super racist, and she's like, yeah, I know, it is, and I also love this movie. And like this movie was just, it was, it had those moments that I enjoyed. Like when she rolls out the, when she, she's escaping from her room when somebody comes over to her house and she rolls off the roof and just lands one that would way knock the wind out of a kid that size. (laughs) But it was a really fun, like high school movie trope like that escaping the, the room. And they did it in a clever way. I do want to go back to the framing of this movie because I'm sorry, I got to be a little bit more mean about it. But I, I under, I will give the benefit of the doubt that the director was going for a unique style yeah, and having I would everything say that too. centered mm-hmm. and making every shot um, symmetrical because of that because everything's in the middle, so everything is symmetrical and. 
It's like it wants to be Moonrise Kingdom, but doesn't understand why Moonrise Kingdom looks the way it looks. Yeah, very much so with its... Um, it it was like rather than playing with cold, cold blues, though, this movie was like sticking in that orange turquoise vein. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're right. There would be like these these wide lenses that were close to people's faces that really made a f- character feel a little dr- dramatic in the moment, but it wasn't used at the right times. And then when they got wide, they like left the end of a scene to the two shot just because maybe that's how we get from A to B. Yeah, and it was these shots, most of the shots in the film, I would call them pointlessly symmetrical. (laughs) That nothing is being communicated to us through its symmetry, only that it doesn't look wrong per se. It just doesn't do anything. Like, Like that end scene when she walks to him and he is... She she basically smack dab in the middle of the frame. Mm-hmm. And we, we do kind of an Aronofsky follow shot when she first walks up to him when he's on the field. And there's just she's just walking through a um, a group of lacrosse players to talk to this guy at the goal. But for one, you would never do that. You <laughs> which is fine. You can be cinematic. But like if you're a high schooler and you want to make this kind of a realistic high school movie, you avoid those players as much as possible because they don't give a crap about you. And especially mm-hmm. a character like her who's awkward and self-professed not very popular <laughs> wouldn't just be like, man, this is no big deal. I'm just walking straight through this crowd expecting not to be hit. But then you're right. At the end, there's like this pointless symmetry where she's just walking down this line straight to this guy that she's meaning to talk to. And maybe that one has a little bit of point behind it because she's not there's nothing in her way and she's going to go directly to him and be direct. But they used that shot so many times for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things when you go take any basic film class, the first or any, any, any composition class, if you're taking photographs, if you're painting paintings, if you're doing anything where you're making a composition, the first rule, the first rule, the first rule you learn is the rule of thirds. That is the first thing that is taught that you don't center things that your frame is split into three quadrants or three tridrants, three sectors, and you put your subject either on the left third or the right third, and you have something interesting in the middle third, and your photo has something called foreground, background, and middle ground. It's called rule of thirds. It's called the rule of thirds. And this film disrespects the rule of thirds as if it's trying to rebel against it, and it only proves the reason why you must follow the rule of thirds. And it's meant to be broken. It's it's it, it is not a hard and fast rule. It is a set of guidelines by which we understand uh, communication, where people are in the scene. And there are master filmmakers who break it all the time. And there are filmmakers who purposefully never use it, but they do so to create um dysmorphia or like like uh a, a feeling of of displacement in this film or in a film and for, for example in the king's speech um tom hooper constantly uh breaks the, the rule of thirds to show how off key this guy's life is and off center his life is and so a lot of framing is off center it's like the rule of eighths at that point um but but again you have to have a point you start with the rule of thirds. If you don't know what else to do, you, you just respect the rule of thirds. If you're going to rebel against the rule of thirds, you have to have motivation. But this movie had no motivation to disrespect the rule of thirds. 
and 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 the other rule of thirds of background foreground midground there wasn't we didn't get a sense of importance <laughs> didn't it feel like shot. everything was in the midground yeah 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 and and there was like <laughs> so much so is there were like times where characters would start doing something like having a pillow fight and you could have used a good cutaway there but it just seemed like they didn't have it and the editor didn't want to deal with finding a good cut point yeah and i can just i feel like what what's what's great about this experience is it's bringing me back to how i was in high school and i don't know where i peaked as a um a snob. I don't know if I was a worse snob in high school when I didn't know what I was talking about or a worse snob in college when I started to know what I was talking about. Oh, I think definitely college because then we had to listen to you talk about it afterwards. Okay. <laughs> in high school, I was definitely a snob and me and my friends would get together every Saturday night and have a movie night and I would always be the most vocally like displeased one of the group and we would watch these movies and I would always have issues with it. And I would always have to make my issues known. Right. And, and you don't want to um, be that annoying person because then nobody can enjoy it. But I it. just, and I remember the girls in the group were just like, who cares about all these things that you're bringing up? I liked it. And I was like, but it's disrespecting the rule of thirds. Like, so what? This guy's hot. It's just like, uh, well, here's I the thing. I can't argue with that. Well, I mean, that's true. And like... Like, there are times where I'll watch a movie and it doesn't fucking matter if somebody f follows the rule of thirds or not because I'm not there to care about that. Or it it doesn't necessarily make the movie worse because, like, I think like this movie, it wasn't trying to be interesting anyway, but it did, the cinematography felt like an odd choice. But hopefully, um, if you watched this movie and you agreed with us that uh, something's not good, something's off... Hopefully we illuminated for you why it's not a good movie. Hopefully we got into a little bit like we didn't really get into the nitty gritty of like why this script has so many like issues of characters having good motivation and interesting drama. We didn't even get into the nitty gritty of it. it we just had this kind of oh, no, general didn't. sense of this isn't working. This isn't gelling. And we could, but like, we don't want to be mean. <laughs> We've already no. been mean. Like for they, an hour there are whatever. We, we have been we have been too mean and too critical and too snobby but guess what that's kind of what we are sometimes um and we I think we've been praising most every single movie that's been on this list so um every once in a while there can be one that we go hard on and that is only because we care and I and I I, I still will defend that sense of we don't ever want to be the critics on this show especially this show to be like we're only going to respect the classics um, if it's like a Netflix thing or if it's like this thing. It's not good. So we're not going to give any kind of, you know, due diligence to it. It's just not worth it. And we're only going to talk about why Audrey Hepburn is the queen and everyone else will never live up to her standard. Like I want to I want to be fair and say there is at least for me, I think there is a place for this movie. And I don't mean that as in the place is a garbage can. I do think... <laughs> I, I agree with I, you. I do think people can watch this and can enjoy it, but I, I think they will also need to like come towards us a little bit and agree it doesn't really work cinematically, but it does kind of hit that comfort food level as a rom-com. So we'll, we'll give it that a little bit. 
yeah, because there are there are movies that I love, and this film accomplishes certain certain of those goals that I I kind of love about teen films, like like when she is sitting on the edge of the hot tub, and she ends up getting in her clothes because she's seizing the moment, like that's charming, and you know it it kind of shows that this character is is caring less, but where where the film comes apart to me is man wouldn't it have been cool if before she didn't do something because she wasn't wearing the right clothes and then in this moment she chooses to like leave that behind and make a commitment to something not caring so much and not only that but she goes back to her room afterwards and she falls asleep in the same nightgown and it's like that thing's wet like come on wardrobe come on script supervisor like what are you doing yeah, Sorry. I'm going to yeah. relegate this in my life of I watch While You Were Sleeping over and over again, but it's a movie that I'm not paying attention to critically, and it's a movie that I have no problems with turning on while I'm making Thanksgiving dinner or anything like that because it's just nice to have us ambiance. I'm not even going to give this the ambiance level of watching, but if I'm playing my Switch and it's too quiet in the room and something has to be on, I'll just turn this on. <laughs> Like, why wouldn't you have your switch volume on? Um, if I'm playing something really boring and the sound is obnoxious and I'd rather listen to something else, there's plenty of games where I don't need the sound of whatever game I'm playing. I I think that this, if I did that, my brain would actively become more <laughs> illiterate. Okay. Well, and and just to to end on a couple of good notes, this movie is very positive, and I appreciate that because it's. I, I like I like a good movie that tries to show us good characters doing good things and try to make that interesting where people aren't making the perfect choices, but they're doing the best that they can. And I like seeing that. I like seeing people strive to make that kind of movie. Um, mm-hmm. But also this movie was brought to you by Subway, if you didn't notice. So there was that. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I like her justification of Subway where... When she stops saying the sentence that she's saying, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, like, what are you talking we about? We snuck Subway onto campus. Oh. <laughs> okay, so remind me again why we have to eat these subs under the bleachers. Dude, we can't have these contraband Subway cups out in the open. Don't want the powers that be catching on to my lunchtime truancy vibes. P.S. That sub is tight, right? It's like every high school in America is like, we don't care. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it was an open campus because like uh, earlier in the movie, she texts somebody and he's like, oh, no, I'm at Subway getting some Subway. And she's like, oh, OK, cool. And then later, later on, her friends like I had to sneak this onto campus. It's illicit Subway. And it's like, well, pick, pick, pick one or the other, because I had a closed campus and they didn't let us go off campus. But also, if we brought Subway to campus, they wouldn't be like, you went to Subway. They would have just been like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know. obviously went to Subway before school started, so good job. Like, like it, <laughs> it cares. You know, it just felt like this movie was completed by a bunch of adults who didn't care about high school. They, they cared about the people in them, but they just didn't care about yeah. high school. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Um. All right. Most basic award. Who most was your basic. Fault? What was your? What's your Oscar? No, I'm, 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 it's double jeopardy again. You and I are on this, on the same page recently with our, with our Oscars. Double trouble. Okay. Who would you fall in love with? I guess Boney Bear guy. No, I would fall in love with Laura because 
even though her character Laura Jean, Laura Jean, Laura Jean, she she was, I think she was written a little inconsistently, but to me, she has all of the like aspects of a cool high schooler that I would have hung out with. She is, you know, super nice to just about everybody. She's no, she is nice to everybody. She has really cool style. She likes old movies. She likes trashy novels, which, I, you know, at first I'm I'm a big literature nerd and sometimes snob. But honestly, I had a crush on a girl in ninth grade who had like a trashy novel hidden under her bed. And the one thing that was weird to me about this, <laughs> this character was that she had an entire bookshelf of trashy novels, a bookshelf. She was like a connoisseur, which... Was a fun character aspect. I like that of her. So she's she's who I'm picking. Laura Jean. Okay. I'm picking the fake boyfriend's mom. Oh. I guess she's single. <laughs> and she would she'd love you because her husband's trash. Okay, so we're in a weird place in our age, you and I, that we're in our early 30s, so we're definitely far away from being teenagers, mm-hmm. but we're definitely nowhere near the generation of parents to teenagers. And like I've said on previous episodes, when I'm watching Boy Meets World, who am I relating to in this show? And I'm starting to relate to the parents, but not that much. And I'm not relating to the kids as much, but I still am. Can I say that the the beautiful thing about being an adult and watching these shows isn't that you have to pick and choose. I think it's that you get to relate to everybody because yeah. you've been through these experiences as kids. And so you can relate. And, and what we're relating to isn't their experience, but their emotions that they're going through living these experiences. Yeah, that was a great... So, so I, I, I wish we had watched Boy Meets World instead of this movie because I could talk about how like there's an episode of Boy Meets World where Corey does something and I'm like, Corey, you're going to get in trouble with your dad. And his dad was like, you're in trouble. I was like, yeah. And I was like sympathizing with both parties. I'm like, but Alan, you got to understand he's 16. He just wants to drive sometimes. But then I was like, Corey, you got to respect your dad. And it was <laughs> it was powerful. And that I I. I I love I love Boy Meets World, and so I'm man. You're really making me want to watch it again. But I I have to say, so good Disney Plus Disney when, Plus. Go when I was watching it, I was always empathizing with both. I was I was yeah. seeing it from both perspectives. You, but you had that gift growing up. That yeah, you could empathize with parents, and kids never could do that. Um, which is why they always had such disagreements with them growing up. Ooh. Also, um, <laughs> I love. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was a line I forgot. It was when the evil ex um, is like, they get to the the ski lodge, and she's upstairs, and she's like, "Hey, hey, my ex boyfriend. Do you wanna whoever whoever makes it down the mountain last owes the other one a hot toddy." And it's like, "What? No. Are we in? <laughs> are we in Scotland right now? You're 17. No one's getting you a hot toddy. Nobody's ordering idiot. you a hot toddy." And not only that, but you're 17-year-olds. You're not sophisticated enough to make your own hot toddies. Like, and I didn't know what a hot toddy was when I was 17. No. I don't know about you. Like, I mean, even if I did drink in high school, I don't think... I think I would have enjoyed having a hot toddy, but I don't think I would have known what it was. But hey, maybe these are all rich kids. Like, who? what did, what did I know in high school? Maybe, maybe they're making Manhattans and, like, absinthe 
cocktails and just like you know <laughs> bouging it up in the back of their like parents basement i don't know let me ask let me ask you this we can talk about high school now and not talk about the movie and then maybe we don't have to be as negative anymore when you went to parties in high school did you go to parties where there was alcohol there um i attended two um but no generally when me and my friends hung out there wasn't any alcohol the two that you went to, did they play beer pong? No, actually, beer pong wasn't something that I experienced until college. And for me, beer pong is backwater redneck drinking game stuff to do. I'm sorry, everyone. Like, I know it's a very popular game, but that has always been my concept of this of like, wow, what's the most fun way you can drink the cheapest beer known to man i guess you can throw ping pong balls into cups of it and that's the way you can enjoy oh my it. gosh do you can you just imagine how what what the pandemic has done to beer pong <laughs> like I, I i mean i bet people are still playing i bet they don't care but um <laughs> like just thinking of like i mean if you're with your quarantine fam you're yeah, sure. You're if you're it. if you're with your quarantine fam, but you you just can't have those cross county tournaments. <laughs> no, no, man. But I, I was just like beer pong. Did high school kids play beer pong? I never went to one party where there was drinking. Um, but I don't know if there was beer you're pong. Square. Yeah, I was square. Proud of it. <laughs> this isn't for the kids in the audience, I guess. But um, I I was. Did you ever just experience something in high school that was almost you had heard of it legendarily and you've heard other people talk about it as if it's a myth, but you experienced it. Like, um, what was that like worth like of a, when you would go, um, transcending like that? Is that when you climbed the meaning of life tower? Yeah. I didn't even do that. <laughs> I did. I, I did that, but no, I mean like, um, we, at one point in time, we started a food fight in our cafeteria, for instance, and that's something that you see in movies or, oh. you know, people say happened, but that actually happened at my high school. The other thing was the um, the muffin game. I'm not going to describe it here, but that's something that I witnessed at one of these parties. And that was something that I've told people I've witnessed. And they're like, what? No way. That doesn't actually happen. That's a myth. And what's the muffin game? Not going to describe it on here. You can look it up if you want, loyal listener. <laughs> OK, well, after a recording, you're going to tell me because it, if it's it was, something really bad, I don't want to Google it. It was just something that I was like walking through the back like acre of this house and I walked in on the wrong situation and walked away very quickly. <laughs> okay. OK, OK, you you bring up a really good point, though. And I think we like let's what was high keep, school about this movie. Let's just keep zooming out. Yeah. And I feel like. This movie has no backbone. Yeah, it doesn't have a voice. Well, it's got a voice. It's just not a very Mm. strong one. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't have a backbone because a movie like Juno is like, yeah, teenagers have sex. Yeah, teenagers get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, not only that. Teenagers deal with this. But but teenagers aren't perfect. Like, they all have flaws. Yeah. And um, this movie... It's like the closest thing it gets to scandal is two people making out look like they're having sex, even though no one in the world would think they actually are looking like having sex, which I think on paper as a book, this would make way more sense. I bet the book is really good. You can render it. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably render it in your head where you're like, I can see that. That makes sense. But in the movie, it's so tame about it and it doesn't actually 
go for it that it's just like uh no like that's fine like, yeah like happening the way this. you would need to film that scene is from a lower angle um so that like the the water is cut off and the audience has to do like the audience actually watching that video has to do the imagination of what's going on underneath but from what it looked like it just looked like this two couple were like literally kissing barely even like kissing with tongue in a hot tub and one was sitting on the other but it didn't look like sex yeah (laughs) that's okay and i'm going to make this solidly my theory of this film this movie is not for teenagers this movie is for 12 year olds yeah yeah i'm I'm all for that Mm -hmm. because it's or or it's for teenagers who want to watch something with their family like Juno is not really a movie appropriate for 10, 11, 12 year olds. No, nah. I mean, I don't know. It depends on your 12 year old, I guess, but um, yeah, but the average 12 sure. year old, if you take them as a it's, whole, it's you, meant for like 13 through plus. yeah, 40 year olds, older teenager yeah. kids who know what's was up, was up. And that's why this film feels Disney about it where it's not it's doesn't it doesn't actually get into the drama of being a teenager it just gets into feeling like a teenager movie but teenagers the way 12 year olds conceptualize teenagers yeah it doesn't actually get into it it's almost romantic in that way it's like it's like the the little sister in this movie it's her idea of like what if what if this was from her perspective and she just saw all of this stuff going on from the outside that would be super fun. Yeah, and I feel like this the like the Instagram video that would scandalize an 11-year-old. Oh, Robin has something to say. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. Okay, right before you said the thing about it being from her perspective, uh-huh. I had this thought in my head that was like what if you see the movie as all being from the little sister's perspective? And so it makes sense why everything is kind of like stagey and not quite real because it's her perception of how high school is going to be. Whoa. Rob, okay. If you didn't hear that, Robin just broke it wide open. She said, what if this movie was from the little sister's perspective? <laughs> Thank you, babe. That was necessary. And... Uh, when Sarah, I would, I see, here's the thing. Here's, here's why I don't think it's that much of a tire fire is I rewatched the movie last night, Kelly. I didn't have to. I watched this a couple weeks ago, just out of curiosity. And then it became our new pick. Um, and last night I was like, you know, I'll rewatch it just to make sure it's fresh in my head. And I rewatched the whole thing. Um, but Sarah was rewatching it with me last night. Um, well, she was on her phone the whole time, but she's like, I feel like all the shots are like Instagram framings everything's in the center well actually i was i was wondering because you know quibi is a new uh, Mm -hmm. streaming platform and it's meant to be watched on your phone and i was like i wonder if this was shot so that you could watch it straight up and down i wonder if that was something that was thought of and that's why it was so centered maybe but, but either but, way, I, I but it's support... so wide. It's like, yeah, it's it, I think it might even be wider than like one eight five. Yeah, I, I support Robin's headcanon because the framing of it is how an Instagrammer would frame a movie. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think that was that was the best thing that you could say about this film. That was but... that was some succinct <laughs> criticism, my friend. 
Um, I think that's what the most disappointing thing is in terms of its drama is that it doesn't actually get into the backbone of anything interesting the way that Juno does. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You kind of gets at a more um, edgier cross-section of teenagers and had a lot more, I don't know, bite throughout the whole thing. And Um, like Juno was written by Diablo Cody, who is just like probably if she was dead, she'd be rolling over in her grave watching this film. There's no pork (laughs) swords. Firecracker. Um, what are some other teen movies that we can compare super to? bad super bad oh my god like there is so much like uh, acknowledgement of sex that's an adults movie of teenagers it is it very much is um but yeah. like mean girls is the one that i would most want to comp this to but it's so mm-hmm. wry and like it, it doesn't pull any punches yeah, Mean Girls actually acknowledges teenagers' sexuality, though. Like mm-hmm. the Halloween party, like they're talking about, like. So are you oh, trying to are you trying to find a movie that is like uh, equivalent to this in in both stature and execution, kind of? No, I, I just want to make the point that the good teen movies that are out there are good because they acknowledge the maturity level of its subject, and I don't think this movie is doing it, which is why I think it's for twelve year olds. The maturity mm-hmm. of the movie is a twelve year old maturity. It, it, I'm just I'm just a little sad because in watching this movie and seeing its plot and kind of wanting to read the book now, I I would have liked to see this reach the level of like blow past Mean Girls and get get deeper. Like, I, I don't know if that was what the book was about, and maybe it lasted on just the fumes of, like, kind of a movie for 12-year-olds, but it it felt like it could have been something meaningful to me as a teenager had I watched it. Because, you know, I, I loved watching movies with female protagonists when I was in high school, but if I had seen this movie, I would have been like, well, thanks. I guess I'm moving on to something else. And I, I, yeah, like I, like we as as teenagers are really looking for something to connect to and feel heard and feel validated in our st- stupid, crazy emotions that we're going through. And yeah, this this and, movie wouldn't do that for you. Yeah, and that's the thing is like the the drama in this movie, the drama that the film is dealing with, feels so anti drama that I was. It's, it was jogging my memory what it was like to be a teenager and like the things that scandalized me as a teenager was when I found out some of the students were having sex with each other and I was like whoa like mm-hmm. and they got caught too and I was like whoa like I remember just like being like that is juicy gossip and I mean, yeah there there's so much that went on in high school that was above this pay grade mm-hmm. yeah and it's just kind of like Every filmmaker that's not 11, like, knows that. Like, there's so much more that you could have mined for this film. There's so much more you could have brought to the table. And and when, when they have conversations with conflict, like the one in the hot tub, and sh- they choose to have an argument about why didn't you sit with me on the bus, that is not something to have an argument about. That's something to lead to a bigger argument. That is, that is a jumping off point that makes teenagers angry, but... So what? Now you're ignoring me? Oh, I'm the one ignoring you. It's funny. Well, sorry I 
am not a good skier. You didn't even offer to teach me. Oh, and I'm supposed to be sweet to you after you just don't sit with me on the bus ride up here. Well, shouldn't you be thanking me that you got to sit next to who you actually want to? Someone who has such good grades, you can be so dense sometimes. What? Yeah, I wanted to sit next to you, Large. I even packed the snacks. Like, maybe it wouldn't have been appropriate for this film and for the audience that's watching it, but what if they actually went beyond kissing and were actually doing something verging on that, that they were rounding the bases, as it were, and that's what happened? And make it make it messier. Like, make it more like regrettable because there's absolutely nothing regrettable about her action in the hot tub. She didn't do a thing yeah. wrong. Like make it something that she's embarrassed to talk to her dad about, but he's going to be there for her in like a surprising way. Like, like there is there. That's what I'm, I, you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you say it's for like 12 year olds, because there's no stakes. There's no point mm-hmm. where you're like, Oh, it's dangerous being a high schooler. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of like, if you like the movie, I get where you're coming from, but at least agree with this, that there are no stakes in this movie. At least agree on that point. Um, where could people find it? Wait. <clears throat> Hold on, I got this one. If you were a hip kid and you were in high school right now and you were worried about things getting on Instagram, but then you were like, whoa, I could totally check out, you know, that cool movie podcast that I, I like listening to also while I'm here on Instagram. Where, where, would, they, where would they find us? I would say, hey, kid. Don't do drugs. And then I would say you can find us at Romcom Gents on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. And then you'd say, hey, kids, send me an email. And then you'd be like, never mind. Don't do that. But talk to your parents. And if they Emails say it's OK, email, email us at romcomgents at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Tell, tell all your friends about us. Please Please recommend us to anybody who likes movies. We want to keep doing this. And I I have a great time even when I dislike the movie. And you doing that really helps us be able to take the time to do this. Yeah, if there was ever a movie for you to uh, argue with us about, I want it to be this one. Because I feel like this one will have its defenders. Come at us, people uh, on the internet. Just let us know why you love this movie and what we missed. Because we probably missed something. Yeah, we. I, I'm. I'm all for admitting that you know there's some things that I might not get or just wasn't in the right mood for. And so if you, if you're just a, a one of those 100 percent of people who love this movie, please tell us about it. um okay well um let's uh, next week we've got something special coming your way oh yeah we're going to do one of the greatest most emblematic rom-coms of all time and we're gonna have a guest who is it ryan uh we're gonna have aaron carlson on who wrote uh the book uh i'll have what she's having which is uh a book but basically a behind the scenes book on Nora efron's meg ryan trifecta the Meg Ryan trilogy of um, <laughs> When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, and basically covers Nora Ephron's kind of rise to power, but mostly focuses on um, those movies and who Nora Ephron was during the making of those movies. Really fascinating. So if you if you just even like those movies, this is a must-read book. This is 
I read it in like a couple of days. I really enjoyed it. And she's also got um, a biography of Meryl Streep as well. Yeah, that, that just um, came out. But yeah, and uh, we'll we'll have links for for all of her stuff uh, coming. But we're gonna do uh, we're doing when Harry met Sally, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. She she was like I'll, I'll do. She even offered up a couple other movies because she was interested in doing. Um, You've got mail, and I was like, we're saving that for T. Hanks giving. That's that's in November. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But she, it's it's going to be nice to have somebody on who knows so much of the uh, the backstory of this film. And it was nice to read her book and kind of get like it elucidated a little bit more for us. Yeah, there's there's so many things I learned about just when Harry met Sally, and I'm like, aha! I will be the know it all next time we watch this, and I'm just gonna like nudge Sarah every time like you know that shot this was happening oh man I'm so glad we're in quarantine then (laughs) okay well I love you I love you too bye bye Uh, at our our next uh, episode and this is where we will say goodbye Ryland Kelly must bid you adieu thank you for listening to our review all right well hey ryan like you're not second best to me you're not second best i'm not no you're not second best you're first Whoa, 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 Covey, Covey. Whoa, I was just in that whoa. podcast room telling that podcast that I was done with that podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. hey, whoa, 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 slow whoa. Down. whoa Covey. Hey, Covey, oh. I'll All see right. you at the docks. <laughs> we're right. we're going to be in the production of On the Town. <laughs> hey, skip the Maluma, darling. Let's get on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frankie boy. Hey, Hey, you want to you want to come over here me and Gene? We 